Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Over the Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And this podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your anxiety disorder through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, targeted supplementation, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and more. Hello. Okay, I'm so excited for all y'all to listen to this episode. I have such a special guest. Well, okay. (laughs) Yes, she's a very special guest. But this is actually a call that I took from the Breaking Up with Anxiety group coaching, my four-month group coaching program. This is a call that my co-coach in the Breaking Up Anxiety program, Jenna, an amazing nutritionist who helps support all of the women in the program besides me, her and I will jump into the group and talk on specific topics that we're either kind of seeing come up a lot or a lot of questions that were being asked, or sometimes just things that her and I are talking about a lot. So a little bit of a backstory. I have known Jenna since 2015. We met at school. We went to the Institute of Holistic Nutrition together. And then we were just in each other's lives ever since. And we've become such good friends, coworkers, colleagues. After finishing school, not immediately after, but um, a few years after. I was, we were both working at the same restaurants. We worked at the same restaurant for a while. And then we both have been working for, I think almost three years, two and a half, maybe three years. We work for uh, another nutritionist in the online space, Melissa Ramos of Sexy Food Therapy. We work within her. She has this amazing Facebook Facebook group called the SFT Sisterhood. And there's kind of three different programs or offers of hers that funnel into this Facebook group. There's, I think, 600 women in that group. Um, And Jenna and I moderate and support that group. So we answer any and all questions about what they're working through, their programs. These women have autoimmune conditions or autoimmune associated conditions like endometriosis and PCOS. Um, So if you are an autoimmune warrior or you have an autoimmune associated condition like PCOS or endometriosis, then you should definitely check out Melissa's work. I'm obviously a really big fan, not just because I work for her and I have worked for her for years, but we're very, very, very aligned um, in how we approach health and how we approach gut health and hormonal health. And so I'll link up to some of her stuff in the show notes so you can check that out. But um, I actually got the job and the other moderator didn't work out. There was another one working and she didn't work out. And so I got Jenna an interview with Melissa. Melissa loved her, hired her. And now we've been working together there for years, which is so fun. Um, And then I don't even know how long ago, maybe six months ago now, I asked her to join me in breaking up with anxiety and be the breaking up with anxiety community manager. 
and help me support the women in the program. One, because I think she is so friggin' smart, especially when it comes to herbal medicine. She's like this plant witch. I have been going to her for years and years and years about my herbal plant medicine related questions. We text, she actually probably texts with her more than anybody else (laughs) in my life. We text almost daily one, because we work together. Um, And so we're, you know, constantly texting about cases and our thoughts and this and that, but we're also just constantly messaging each other because we have such a shared love and interest of health and wellness and eating protein and cold plunging and lifting weights and yoga. She's a yoga and meditation teacher, just like me. Um, And so yeah, we we talk all the time and we always just have these great voice note conversations. And I said to her one day, a couple months ago, I was like, we need to bring these conversations into the Breaking Up With Anxiety Facebook group because I think our conversations are fantastic and other people would really benefit, especially our clients, from hearing us have these conversations, but not just hear us have these conversations, but be able to also participate in these conversations with us. And specifically the case of today's conversation, because today's conversation, well, it was filmed a little, a few weeks or it was recorded a few weeks ago, but you're hearing it today for the first time, but any breaking up the anxiety clients listening, you've already been part of this conversation. This conversation is specifically for all the mamas out there. If you are not a mother, you would still benefit from this conversation. So don't skip, still listen. But especially if you are a mama, this conversation is for you because Jenna and I dive into a very, 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 very important topic. And that is as a mother, you have to take care of yourself first. So we talk about nourishing your nervous system, what that looks like, especially as a mother, learning to ask for and receive what you need because you set the tone for your household. The moment you feel off, depleted, anxious, stressed, and overstimulated, and when you're not taking care of yourself, your families, especially your children who are so energetically sensitive, they can sense it. And they might not be able to verbalize it. In fact, a lot of the times they maybe can't verbalize it, but their behavior changes and their nervous systems become dysregulated, making parenting more challenging. And then this leads to a vicious cycle where your kids require more of your time and energy due to their altered behavior. And in turn, you then start to neglect your own care even more right? So really having this conversation and really realizing the importance of prioritizing yourself as a mother is key. Once you do, you'll notice positive shifts in your family dynamics, your parenting, and your relationship with your partner. Why? You might be thinking, well, Taylor, you are not a mother. (laughs) I have fur babies. I don't have human babies, which is exactly why you're going to be hearing from Jenna today and not me. Uh, At the time of this recording, Jenna's beautiful girl is four years old. And for almost her entire life, 
up until recently, Jenna was a single mom. So she understands firsthand how challenging it can be to balance everything, to take care of yourself, to fill up your own cup. And she also understands how important it is. So I'm so excited for you to hear one mother to another. Let's listen to this amazing conversation between Jenna and I. Hello, ladies. I'm just, as always, going to cross my T's, dot my I's, and make sure that um, we're actually in the group because I think I say this on every time I go live, but I have live streamed to my personal page before. <laughs> and then I'm like, where is this video that I'm looking for? <laughs> uh, okay. Amazing. We're in the group. So I'll monitor the chat just in case anybody's live and has questions. Um, okay, before we start, Jenna, I just have to ask you a totally selfish question <laughs> because I don't know the answer to this. I think I do, but I think I forgot. Um, but I was just at our colon hydrotherapist before this. I had a 10 o'clock colonic and we were talking about, you know, why we went to school for nutrition and she was sharing her why. And then I thought of you because I knew that we were doing this call next. What brought you to our nutrition program? Well, I, I took a year off after high school because in grade 11 and 12, I just got hit with like a very severe depression, which literally made my grades tank, which had never happened before. I was kind of on, um, on route to becoming a nurse and doing nursing. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Which is really okay, funny. Okay. Yes. So I mean, you're still I had nursing field. in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like I just love, you know, helping people. And, um, at that time when I wasn't as holistically minded, nursing was like one of those things where you're just like, you get to be with people, help people, you know, you can work in many areas. And then when I got hit with that depression and my grades started tanking, I remember at the time, the average grade to get into most nursing programs was like a 94 average. I'm like, okay, so we're not meeting that average. <laughs> and we are not there. <laughs> yeah, we are not there anymore. Um, but then I, that's why um, I'm glad you asked this story because I feel like sometimes mental health issues or, or physical health issues come into our lives as like a redirection point. And that was totally my redirection point. And I can't imagine what would have happened had I not had gone through that, you know, in so many ways. So that made me kind of take a year off. I worked, um, I worked at Starbucks at one point and I one of my that. friends <laughs> at Starbucks, her name is Michelle. She started taking this program at IHN. And I remember a couple of years after working at Starbucks, she messaged me being like, we have to go for coffee. I have to talk to you about the school that I'm at. Like it's every class I go in, I think of you, like, it's just all the things you love. And, you know, mm -hmm. I had started getting into holistic health at that point and yoga. I was already like very established in my yoga practice. And I was just heading more and more into that direction. As I drink my Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, coffee, uh, y'all. Yes, I drink coffee. I need to oh, go yeah. back. I can drink coffee Continue. too. I'm drinking tea <laughs> right now, but I had my coffee before this. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Michelle, so did I, kind of wait, awesome. Michelle that was in, that I know. She yeah, Michelle Lawrence. Oh my gosh, shout out Michelle. Yeah. So yeah, she was just like, I'm in this school and I just really thought of you. I think you'd love it. I think you should check it out. And I did. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And uh, yeah, that was my little entrance into holistic nutrition. For some reason, I thought it was 
period pain or something. I thought you had, or the fact that you had been told that you could never have children. And and now you have a daughter. (laughs) I know. Well, I did. So there were points in my journey, like when I first started menstruating, um, for most of the early time of having my period, I had a very heavy period, like just very heavy flow. And, um, I wasn't in debilitating pain or anything, but I did have a lot of the kind of symptoms of like heaviness and just like breakouts and, you know, all those things. So then my doctor prescribed birth control. (laughs) And so, yeah, I did a few years on birth control and then I had an IUD, but I do remember, there was a time when I was um, getting some of my hormones tested with my doctor. And she basically said that I don't naturally produce enough progesterone. So she kind of indicated, she didn't say like you're infertile, but she just said, you will likely need help progesterone wise Mm -hmm. in the future to be able to conceive. And then that was years ago before I had started really taking care of my body and everything. So I I didn't really believe that necessarily. I wasn't going in my life based on like that anymore. Right. Right. Um, But I got pregnant pretty, pretty easily. (laughs) Real quick. (laughs) And I actually, my current partner, he had, he has like a, a teacher he's been working with for over a decade, like an intuitive healer. And when he first started dating me, um, the, the healer was like, your partner is very fertile, is what he said. <laughs> oh my God. Very fertile. Like, okay. So we went from like possibly not fertile to very fertile. So anything can happen. <laughs> I mean, I believe it, especially just the herbal medicine that you put into your body all day, every day, which is such a habit and lifestyle for you, right? To like drink your teas and all that jazz. Um, I believe it. That's so funny. Okay. Well, thank you for that little history lesson. (laughs) I love that we were both directed to the program for our, through our mental health, basically. And I can't imagine my life without you. (laughs) Like I couldn't do what I do without you. Like, 2015 like I can't even imagine like you not being in my life so thank goodness for shitty mental health that redirected us uh, on the path that we're on now but I digress let's dive into the topic that we wanted to riff on today which we've been talking about for a while and I know you saw my little write-up that I did which was basically paraphrasing your words yesterday did you see that Yes. They tagged you in it. Okay. But I just want you to say it. I want it to come out of your mouth because it was much more beautiful and eloquent. And I was like frantically typing. So Jenna sent me a voice note, ladies, just for some background. Yesterday I messaged her, be like, hey, can you give me like a few kind of things that we're gonna riff on tomorrow? Um and she sent me back this voice note and I just kept like pausing it and then like, frantically typing and then play type play pause because <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to get everything you said because you said it so perfectly so instead of me saying what we're going to talk about you kick it off and then we'll go from there yeah so um basically what the gist of our little conversation was yesterday was that how important it is to prioritize the health and well-being of the mother the mother of the family the the 
root and the anchor of the family is the mother. And I feel like I, I read this quote at one point a couple of years ago that basically just said that the the state of the nervous system of the mother sets the tone for her entire household. She's like the barometer for the household. And I have experienced firsthand shifts in my own nervous system and different times in my life and in my motherhood journey so far, um, four years in now, where I can see clearly points where I was so dysregulated and I can, I can, look at my daughter's behavior during that time. And it was completely related. It all like, we're the source, you know, like we're the source of the life that we bring when we become mothers. And then we're the source of the, we just hold everything together for our families. And so when we get into a state of dysregulation and we, when we get into this cycle of not taking care of ourselves, then it translates into our children and their nervous systems and their behaviors and the frequency of their meltdowns and how connected or disconnected they feel to us. Um, it obviously affects our relationship with our partners. And then it just becomes this really either positive or negative cycle, depending on how well you take care of yourself, right? Where if you continue to just give from an empty cup, then you'll just see the ripple effect in every area of your life and everything actually becomes a lot more challenging. And I remember seeing a post from a mom the other day that was saying like, she checked off all these things from her list. Like I woke up, I did my cold shower. I um, ate my protein breakfast. I went for a walk today. I prioritized all these things while taking care of my two kids and my husband's away on his business trip. And this just feels like a win. And I looked and I was like, when you initially look at a list like that, you're like, how, and you're a mom, you're like, how on earth can I do all those things? It's impossible. But when you actually make time for that, it's like you've created time for yourself and you're more settled and you're more present and you're more attuned to your children and things flow in such an easier way. Like it, it's hard to explain until you really do it and then see the effects of it in your everyday routine, right? And yeah, it's, it's never like a self-fulfilling process. So it's like you start and it's really hard at, at first to start, especially like as a mom, because it's just like everything's about the kids. You're prioritizing the kids, right? And for context and background, everybody knows I don't have children. I have fur babies, but I, I have nannies. Um, I was a nanny for a year for twin girls who I'm still in touch with the family. I was just there a few weeks ago. Okay, Jenna, they live on the same street as your parents. I drove by your parents' house to get to their house. And I was like, they just moved there. Oh, and I was like, oh, there. yeah. I was like, my friend's parents live on this street. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So twin girls and they have an older brother. They're a couple houses down. Anyway, are, they, are they British? No. Oh, okay. No. The mom is not British? No. Oh, okay. Oh, do you have other twin girls on the street? I think so. I feel like oh these gosh. neighbors that are like two doors down from my parents' house, the okay. mom, yeah, the mom is English. Like she has an English accent. No, the mom's French. Okay. Okay. The mom's French and the dad is not British English, just like speaks, not Francophone, basically. Okay. Um, and that was actually my job when I moved home and was transitioning off medication. So I started with them a few days after their first birthday. 
And I always thought I wanted twins and now I want no children, but I always was like, (laughs) I want twins. I was like, I want twins. And so I, I, you know, I was looking to move back from Toronto. I was moving back to Ottawa. My mental health was like the, at its worst, that was when my doctor cut me off out of van and like, wasn't sleeping, panic attacks, multiple times a week, anxiety every single day, partying, doing drugs, drinking, like it was a fucking mess and my psychiatrist was like okay (laughs) like we need to make some changes here (laughs) and so I decided to leave Toronto and move home and I was like I don't want to work I need to be separate from a restaurant because part of the reason I'd gone down the rabbit hole with the drugs and the partying was partly because of my mental health but also because of the environment that I was in and the bar industry and so uh, my parents own a school. I've worked with kids my whole life. I love kids. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to like nanny. And so I started with these two girls. It was like a week after I moved home, a week after their first birthday. I'm literally so obsessed with them. Like to their, their older brother, like I just love them so much. Like to this day, I hang out with them. I go over and play games. Like I, they're just like my children, but I get to give them back at the end of the day. Yes. <laughs> And then after that, I nannied again for a family in Toronto who I love equally as much, but I just don't see them because they live in Toronto, obviously. And so I do have an understanding of what it's like to be a parent because Mm -hmm. for two and a half years, I was the caregiver for children (laughs) from 7 a.m. until 4 p.m., five days a week. Yes. And literally the only difference is I could be like, bye and give them back and go home and be like, holy crap, I need to like decompress <laughs> versus Jenna, actually give a little bit of your context for those who don't know, you know, you were a single mama until recently. Yeah. So that definitely contributed to the ups and downs that I've had just personally as a mother and also with my relationship with my daughter. But um, shortly after she was born, Uh, her dad and I got, we separated and he, he was from India, from a different country. And so, and also his current job has him traveling a lot. So basically since we separated and moved away from each other, he has not been a consistent, um, figure in her life, like physically, uh, present. Like provider, like he hasn't been able to physically be there and take things like yeah, like time and space to take yeah on any of the parenting um, responsibilities or anything like that. So it was all on me. Of course, I had I did have a lot of support from my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I was living with my parents at the time when I had her, and her and I were living with my parents until she was two. So I did have a lot of support in that way, but it was very different. Like grandparents are not parents, and so a lot. And also I have a very different mindset in a lot of ways to my family and my values are different. And that even obviously comes down to my values when it comes to parenting and how I, how I intended and intend to raise her. So there was so much like conflict in my mind of like, Oh, what messages are given and all this stuff. And so a lot of it was on my shoulders and I was working to, reparent myself um, while living with my parents, while parenting my daughter. It was like a whole thing, right? So I had a lot of stress at that time. Um, It was pretty traumatic for me to be um, a newly single mom and have this relationship just kind of dissolve and it was unexpected. And 
there was a lot of sadness and grief that I had to kind of put in on the back burner um, in order to be able to function and be happy and raise my daughter. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a background. And then a year and a half ago, I met my current partner. Uh, he was living in Toronto, but he was able to make a lot of trips here to Ottawa. And we also visited him, but he was primarily here. Uh, so he got to develop a relationship slowly with my daughter. And um, about in October, we all moved in together. So since October, it's been very different for me because now we're living in like a family situation and I actually have support on the day to day. And I have someone who wants to take some of these responsibilities off my shoulders. And I've been able to work towards taking better care of myself again. I joined my yoga studio again and I have a bit of time to like go out and, you know, be me um, as opposed to just being a mom 24 seven. Um, so that's been like a really beautiful opportunity, but it's single parenting for that time has definitely given me a lot of strength, a lot of um, just compassion as well for mothers and also for single mothers. It's, it's the hardest job in the world parenting. It is, it's, it's, it can be exhausting at times. Um, and so I really do have so much compassion for people when they say like, I feel like I don't have any time and I can't take care of myself. And, you know, I, I get it. I've been there. I've been there, but I also have been to the point where I exhausted myself completely. And then I was running on zero for so long. And I saw how that was affecting my, my health and also how it was affecting my daughter's health, her physical health, her emotional health, my relationship, my connection with her, my desire to be a mother. Um, when you're running on burnout, of course, you're not going to enjoy parenting. You're going to think you can't do it. You're going to have days where you're like, why the fuck did I do this to myself? You, tex you texted me that yeah. multiple times, like especially totally. those long sleepless nights when, you know, she was struggling with sleep and had you up. And you also forgot to say that you started a business <laughs> while <laughs> being a single mom. Like you didn't even have a mat leave. Like no. you were back at the restaurant, you know, part-time, but still pretty soon afterwards, in addition to starting your business, in addition to the makeup, which is yeah. fantastic. She's done my makeup on the side and I have <laughs> hated every time I've gotten my makeup done, including my best friend's wedding, which sucked because you want to feel good on your best. I liked my hair, but I really didn't like my makeup. And the only time I've ever liked getting my makeup done was you. But I think I stressed you out because I told you so much before how much <laughs> you were so like, is this okay? Is this okay? And I <laughs> loved it. But you were also doing all of these things. And I vividly like can remember you texting me and just being like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, and it's, that's all part of, I try to look back without having too much guilt over those times. Yes. And I can't carry that guilt with me. And when I really look at it, like we're very good at looking at other people's situations and having so much compassion for other people. And we really don't extend that compassion to ourselves in the same way at all. And I'm someone that that's so true for. Like if I had looked from an outside lens at someone who, thought that they were marrying someone that they really loved and that they wanted to raise a child with and that they had all these ideas. And then all of a sudden those things were kind of gone. And now you're in the situation of like, okay, 
you weren't necessarily planning to have kids so soon when you didn't have other life things established yet. Um, and now you're a single parent. Like you said, I did d- decide to start a business at that time, which was, it was a good idea in terms of like, when I had my daughter, I kind of was just like, I don't want to keep working all these little part-time jobs that aren't actually sharing my gifts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wasn't using my gifts. I was using all these jobs that were just like easy. I got to talk to people all day. I worked at restaurants, made tips, worked at a gym, got to kind of like work out, be in like a health environment, Um, just like easy things, right? That would just make money. But it, it was things that I wasn't really living in accordance to like what my purpose might be. And so when I had her, it was like this big wake up call in every way. I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to do it, it's going to be now, you know? And so I may have put extra pressure on myself at the time, but now looking back, even over the last couple of years of having my business and having it pick up to a point where I can support myself and I, I have more time freedom, like whenever she's sick, I'm taking those days off. I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm not working. Like, this is what I want. I want to be Mm -hmm. able to be mom first and have freedom over my schedule. And this is what I worked for. And it's not always easy and, you know, but it's worth it. And so, yeah, all that whole tangent was basically just to say, like, I know how it feels Uh, to be. You get it. (laughs) To be in the depths. And I also don't think that it's a negative thing as a mother or a parent to have days where you're just like, I don't want to fucking do this, you know? hundred percent. I have days, days like that in my relationship. I have days like that um, in my business where I'm like, burn it all to the fucking ground. I'm done. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, and that's why you talk about this so much too, is like, you cannot operate from burnout. Like you need to prioritize yourself because we have all these lofty goals and lofty visions and stuff. And if you're running on empty, there is no way you're going to sustain anything, (laughs) health, happiness, growth, business, whatever area it might be. You cannot be running on empty. Like it's, and it's, it's pretty sad that society has forced us into it in so many ways. And at least even if you're not forced into it, physically, like it's, it's conditioned our mindset to think that we need to grind all the time, that it needs to feel hard all the time. And, you know, that we can't rest, that we can't relax, we can't recover. Um, And these are things that you just kind of have to like push through and retrain yourself. And yeah. And it is very normalized in society that mothers are just tired welcome to mom motherhood. Welcome to being a mom. You're just going to be tired for the next God knows how many years. And your life is now just about keeping your family together and just about your kids. And like, you can sacrifice your weight and your mental health and your vision, your dreams and your goals and everything, because it has to be about the child. And while that is noble, it's also reinforcing this sense of martyrdom. And we have a bunch of martyr mothers running around. And like, I, I have two moms. So I have my bio mom who birthed me. And then I have my stepmom who raised me. Like she has been in my life since I was little, little, little. And um, I call them both mom. And my stepmom, I love her. I love you, mom, if you're listening. But she is a martyr mother. And I've, and it's just like, she has sacrificed everything for her family. And like, I'm so grateful for that, but 
I also see the consequences of that. Like now as an adult and her and I have very open conversations about this. So this is not like I'm (laughs) talking behind her back or anything, you know? And then my birth mother, um, she, and it's a lot to unpack right now, you know, but obviously the, the marriage didn't work out and she left. Um, it was her decision. Um, for a long time, my understanding was that she felt that she had gotten pregnant too young, gotten married too young, like it had moved too fast. And she had all these dreams for her life. And she was just like, it, it, she just like, wasn't ready to just like be a mom full time. And so she left and she moved. Um, she was living in Florida for a long time. She was still very, like, I knew about her. She would call me on the phone. Like, you know, I would visit sometimes she would come home. So it's not like she was like, not a part of my life. It's kind of like you actually, like she was a part of my life, but she wasn't physically a part of my life for a really, really long time. Um, but we've actually had conversations more recently where she's in the mental health space now, and she's really starting to get a true understanding of postpartum. And she was telling me not long ago, she's like, I think I had postpartum depression and I just didn't have the tools and resources at the time. And so you blow up your life basically yeah, because you don't know what else to do. And like, you know, no regrets, like everything kind of happens for a reason. And now I have my half sisters and like, it it wasn't like a conversation where she was like, Oh, I regret this. I regret that. It was more where she was just like, Holy shit. Like, I think I had postpartum depression and nobody like really told me I didn't really know. And so I just questioned everything about my life and essentially walked away. But it's been interesting for me to grow up with these two mother figures and these two narratives, because both have been modeled to me. The mother who chose herself in the most drastic way possible Mm -hmm. and the mother who didn't choose herself and constantly chose her family and sacrificed herself for her family. So it's been interesting. And initially that martyrdom seems like, oh, you have so much love for your family that you sacrificed your well-being for your family. And oh, amazing. Like it, it can put someone on a pedestal in some ways, but then in other ways, energetically, when you are constantly giving of yourself and you are not, your needs aren't being met, there's all this like resentment that builds up. And, and even if you're not openly expressing this resentment to your family, it's there, it's there energetically and your family feels it. It's this thing that it's like, it's almost like a, it almost becomes like a, you owe me type of relationship. It's not a reciprocal, loving, unconditional relationship even though you might think like, I love my family unconditionally and that's why I've sacrificed so much for them and everything. But there's that residue of icky energy that's not right, you know? And it's not how it's supposed to be. Like motherhood can, of course you do have other people to take care of and children are unable to take care of themselves. So that's, that's your job now. But in no way is it, it, it's not these little lives that you own and your whole existence is made to shape this other person. Like what I have tried to reframe about motherhood is that it's a mother is someone that is a safe space, is a nourishing space that 
allows her children to grow up and be who they are and just facilitates a safe space for these little people to figure out their way and figure out who they are along the way. You're not trying to make them someone. You're not trying to make them like you. You're not trying to make them have a life that you didn't have or make mis not to make the same mistakes as you had, anything like that. Like they come into the world with their own gifts, their own purpose, their own stuff. They're already pretty perfect when they come and we just need to create that environment that allows them to express themselves and hopefully you know that creates fosters an environment where they just you know it's like I don't know it's it's I think it can be easier in some ways than we make it but that martyrdom is such a it's an ancestral trauma that is something that a lot of us like our age people are breaking those cycles. And it's hard because you look and you see, you see so many sacrifices and you think when you do take the time to take care of yourself, you're like, Oh, is this selfish? Like I'm going away for a week. Is this selfish? Like without my child? No, you've been taking care of your freaking child every single day since they were born. You can go away yeah. for a week. You can. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about mommy guilt mommy guilt when you do things for yourself mommy guilt when you put yourself first when you buy something for yourself when you invest in yourself over your child mm -hmm. let's talk about that <laughs> yeah so there's there is a natural if you're not if if you're not used to taking care of yourself if you're starting to work on taking care of yourself as a mother um then even taking those short little bits of time for yourself, whether it's like you are in a separate room of your house, your children are with your partner or caregiver of some sort, and they're told not to disturb you. So you get to have your time. Maybe you're having a bath, maybe you're journaling, maybe you're doing a workout, you know, maybe you're leaving the house and you're going to a yoga class, you're doing things. At the start, there will be feelings of like, well, they're, they're calling me, they're missing me, they need me, you know, but it's, it's definitely something that you just have to push through because they also have to learn that you're not a human that's 100% of their purpose is to serve them. You know, they need to learn that. And if you're going to show them that you're going to drop everything all the time to take care of all their needs immediately when they want it, then that's also not a way that we want to raise our kids, right? Like we, they need to see that we prioritize our health, our well being, um, that we take time for ourselves. Um, I just think that's, important in general to show them but there will be those feelings of guilt and it's just something that you got to just push through and then eventually it gets easier and also you you start to like we were talking about that cycle in the beginning where you're not taking care of yourself your nervous system super dysregulated you're seeing it in way manifest in different ways in all your relationships in your life once you start to take time for yourself and take care of yourself, then you see that your cup's being filled up. And then not only are you operating differently and feel differently, but they're going to start feeling it as well. So you'll start getting positive feedback from that, that will just tell you, okay, that yoga class that I just took for an hour to myself, I actually have this feeling a lot since, since we moved here. Now that I have my partner, um, I rejoined the yoga studio. Because I find that like working from home, momming from home, everything like I you I were also want... teaching yoga when you were a single mom. <laughs> Let's yeah, just throw another that. job in there. Yeah, <laughs> why not add like twenty jobs to the list? Yeah, 
I think um, that was the first one that you were like, hmm, maybe I should pull back on something. Yeah. I think it's going to be my yoga class. I remember us texting about that. And that was a difficult yeah. decision for you. Especially because yoga, it does, I find that in order to be an effective um, teacher, you need to be regulated. Like it was something where I was just like, if I'm coming into class and bringing all this heavy energy into class when I'm supposed to be facilitating a calm, healing environment, it just didn't feel in alignment. I was like, okay. It's like fake, like imposter syndrome, right? You're like, oh my God, I'm the worst yoga teacher ever. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, this is clearly not, and it, and it also was something that was very clear to me because I wasn't loving it. Like I was like, oh, it just seems like it's taking so much of my life force that I already don't have. And it was something that I was like, okay, I need to just pull back on that. And I, I love practicing yoga and that's my time. So since moving here, I got my membership back, but then if Noah's at school during the day and then I go to a yoga, a yoga class at night, I part of me is like, oh, well, I haven't seen her all day. And then I'm leaving and I'm going for an hour and all this stuff. But it's a couple times a week. It's a, it's like two, three times a week. It's for that hour. That's it. I have her, you know, depending on when she wakes up, we spend a really good chunk of the morning together. We do our little rituals every day. And then she comes home, there's those hours before bed and I do her whole bedtime routine and all that stuff, you know? So it's just like, yeah, you can remove yourself from the situation every once in a while. And also a lot of moms have this resentment building up against their partner being like, well, I'm the primary caregiver. I have all these things in my mind. I'm the one that makes the lunches, does the shopping, does the cooking, whatever it is that you do when you're the primary caregiver, you build up these resentments, but it's almost like if you don't separate yourself and take time away, you're not giving your partner and your child those chances to develop their own connection, like without you there, you know, without, yeah, I just think it's also a good opportunity for your children to learn to trust other people to do, maybe they have their own way of doing something, you know, maybe, maybe they don't cook meals in the same way, or maybe the routine's not exactly the same as it is when they have mom around, but it's, it's love that they're receiving. It's care that they're receiving. And it just allows other people to develop those connections with the child as well. And, and when you look at culturally mothering never was a solo sport until recently. Until the West. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, you just got to break those. And, and another way that it layers on is that we always have this we have this inability to ask for help or we feel that it's a weakness if we can't do everything, you know? And so that's another way that we need to change our mindset because it, you're not meant to do everything. And Mm -hmm. the more, the more things you can outsource or the more you can like lean on your partner um, for support or your family members for support, whatever situation you're in, it's not a weakness. It's, it's a strength to be able to ask for, for support and just know that you don't, that it's not natural for you to be doing everything. I know it's just unlearning, right? Like what we have learned through either what was modeled to us by our mothers or society or TV shows or our teachers or the books we read or whatever it is, right? It's so subliminal. It's so subconscious that we don't even realize that it's completely molded us. Like I think as a daughter, um, 
imagine how different things could have been for me if something else was modeled to me growing up, you know, if, and this is never about blaming my mother or anybody's mother. They were just doing the best that they knew with the resources they had, with the tools they had, and they were doing usually what was modeled for them, you know, but imagine if my mom went to yoga three, four times a week, or my mom sat down and did breath work every single day. And my mom ate like high protein and high fiber and drank a lot of water, right? Like if that's what you saw for 16 years that you're in that house or however long you're in that house, 18 years, maybe longer, if you stay there for like university and your uh-huh. undergrad, that's subliminal messaging in a good way. Like totally. you don't, that's what's modeled to you. That is what is normal to you. What's mm-hmm. normal, especially as a woman, like what, what's it, what is modeled to you is your mom asking for help, your mom prioritizing herself first, your mom taking care of her health. And then guess what? You're going to do that. And this is breaking that generational cycle, right? And that generational yeah. habits and trauma and all of that stuff where that's what you're doing. You're breaking yeah. the cycle of how you were parented. And some days are different than other days. You know, there are some days that you fall back into patterns and it's never going to be about perfectionism, just like any other journey in life. Motherhood is not about not making any mistakes or not doing anything wrong. You know, Um, when we have this focus where we're trying to heal ourselves at the same time as we're parenting, there will be times when things overlap and when our shadows come up and our traumas come up and they're like parenting is just like looking all that stuff in the face. And that's not always easy. You don't always have capacity for it. You know, sometimes a day will look different than you intended it to look. And that's totally fine. And one of the reasons why focusing on our nervous system as mothers is so important and is because like, I'm sure all of us, if you're a mother, you can think of a situation where you were at low capacity and you hadn't maybe taken care of yourself well that day or for a few days, or you had something weighing on you and on your nervous system. And an everyday thing happens with your child where like, I can think of this example because it happened a few weeks ago where I was putting on Noah's snowsuit to get her ready for school in the morning and we did the whole snowsuit we know how putting <laughs> kids in snowsuits is like it's literally the worst job ever it's like, I know that as a nanny and I had to do two of them in. yeah like shoving their bodies in putting the boots doing the whole like snow like shoving the mitts in you know all the stuff it takes a while and it's not a task where we're like I'm did she excited. have to go pee right no but she had an <laughs> itch so I get the, it all along and then she goes I'm really itchy. Like I I need to scratch this itch. I'm like, okay, well we can scratch it. Like, tell me where it is. I'm like trying to scratch on the outside of her snowsuit. And she's like, no, it's not working. (laughs) So she takes it all off. She does it. Then we put it back on and she does it again. She's like, oh, there's an itch somewhere else. We got to take it off. And in that, that morning I had so much like so much going on on my mind. I was like in, when we're dysregulated, we're in this state of like rushing, like everything needs to be rushed. It's like, get this on quick, get out the door. Come on, come on, come on. And like, do you really want to be that type of mom where your kids look back? And I know this very well because that's how my mom was. It was like, all it was always chaos. It was yeah. like, <gasps> you know, like frantic, like, oh, we're late and we're going to, and like, 
that is not safe. It's not a feeling of safety, you know, like, and yes, we're all going to have days like that. I had a day like that this morning. I was just like, we all woke up late. There were so many things to do. Make the lunches, make the breakfast, get ready. No, 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 no. And I was like, let's go. But like, when that's your, when that's the state of your nervous system primarily, and that's your go-to behavior of always rushing your kids and always almost unintentionally making all of your tasks with your kids feel like they're oh, another thing to do, then this is a person who just needs to be loved and taken care of. And this is the energy they're getting from their primary caregiver. It's like, oh, she's not really liking this. She's not enjoying this. She just wants to get rid of me. She wants to bring me to school. And, you know, like, and, and when we really think about it, it's like all these tiny little mundane moments during the day, that's what makes up our child's nervous system health and self-worth. And they're the feeling of rushing in their systems. Are they chronically rushing now? And that anxiety, you know, that feeling of anxiety constantly, and it doesn't need to be that way. And so if I had woken up that morning, and actually, me, to finish that story, the snowsuit thing happened three times. And I was very close to being like, this is fucking ridiculous. You know, like I I was sorry for swearing. I was no, very, you can swear. <laughs> very close to like just going in a totally different direction. And I, after a while of repatterning and trying my friggin' best, this little thought came to me like a glimmer almost. And I was like, you know what? My sweet little darling. I said one thing to her. I said, you know what? Like, this is the last time. Or, and, and my tone made her start crying. So she started mm -hmm. crying. And then I just looked at her little tiny crying face. And I was like, I could put on this snowsuit a thousand times for this little person. You know, like realistically, it's a snowsuit. We're putting it on. It's okay. Like it's, it's an extra two, three minutes. It's not ideal, but you know, I primarily want her to know that I am there for her and I will I will do these things you know like I think a lot of times when we have so much stress we almost will behave like our kids are an inconvenience right like we all know how it feels to feel whether it's in our relationship romantic relationship to feel like an inconvenience like I remember with my partner now I if I have to ask a question multiple times that has already been answered. He has so much grace with me. Like he doesn't say anything. He doesn't give me that look. He doesn't do anything. He just answers it. If someone does that to me, I'm like, I told you or something, you know, like, and, and I told you that one time three weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just this, like, oh, this like triggered, yeah. triggered response, you know, and that's all about the nervous system. Like it's because the capacity is low that we're triggered into these oh, 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 like these moments. So if I had taken the time that morning to do even five minutes of breath work, I bet you it would have been a totally different reaction. And like all of that pile compiles over a lifetime. Yeah. Well, you touched on a really good point there. Regardless if you have children or not, your how you react to things like whether you're reacting I love the expression like react versus respond right or like we want to respond to life and to situations um rather than reacting and most of us are moving through life reacting and the difference in that moment is your capacity 
it's your nervous system, it's what's going on with your stress hormones. And, you know, Jenna said, we are talking nervous system, nervous system, nervous system, nervous system, like balance, for lack of a better word, like regulation, it's really flexibility is actually the best word for it, because you're going to go in and out of sympathetic and parasympathetic and flexibility just means you can pull yourself back into parasympathetic quite quickly. Right. So the goal is not a balanced nervous system. Yeah. It's regulated. Yeah. It's a flexible nervous system. And if all the foundational things that we talked about in the program, like everything that's on your roadmap, this is how you achieve that nervous system flexibility from a body-based perspective. But what I would love for you to do, Jenna, so ignoring the stuff that's already on the roadmap, because all the women in the program, you know what that is. You can click on the roadmap. You can see what that is. That's the stuff we talk about day in, day out. That's the stuff we work on. What would you add or shift or change specific to moms? Like, are there any kind of tools or practices that you have really leaned heavily on? Well, I think, I know this is, this is part of the roadmap, but this is just, if it's really important, you can say it. I have realized how important it is. And I'm still working on majorly is nourishing yourself properly, nourishing yourself properly and eating enough. Like as a mom, eating the scraps of your kids' meals here and there taking a bite of food and thinking that you're eating enough during the day and that you're not going to become completely dysregulated and thrown off of balance because of that is just such a, it's, it's so, yeah, it's, it's something that we overlook a lot. And one thing about being properly nourished as a mom is like, like if I'm thinking about ideally, like how I want to be as a mother and as a person, like I want to be just, we have to be strong. We have to be solid. We have to be like calm and steady. And like, we're that anchor of our family, like I keep saying. And if, and just eating enough is such a big one, such a big one that is totally overlooked for moms because realistically moms, like, you know, you've had days where you're living off scraps <laughs> because you're prioritizing your family. I remember that as a nanny. Yeah. Like one twin is going here. One twin is going there. And I'm literally just shoving fishy crackers in my mouth yeah. or like packaged granola bar, nature Valley granola bars, or eating the things off their plate that they're leaving or, you know, quickly cutting up something for them and then maybe a few extra little things for me. Totally. Like, I know exactly what, what that's like. Yeah. So it's like in that chaos, that's something that tends to be like a bit of a piece that needs reworking and it takes a little bit of time. Maybe for some it's easier, for others it's not as easy. And I think also when anxiety comes into play, there are these body, like, there are these body signals that can kind of blunt hunger when you're feeling anxious or where you're feeling like, Oh, I have so many things to do and I have kids running around and I need to make sure they have food in their belly and their school lunches are packed and they're this and they're that, you know, like when you do have a lot on the mind, it can trick you into thinking that you're not hungry, that you just want to go, go, go. Um, But in the long term, it's so damaging, like so damaging physically to the body, um, 
to your state of regulation, to your sense of grounding. If you're not putting food into the body, you're not grounded. Like you're, you're it's like, if you don't put enough gas in the car, the car is going to stop running. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what food is. That's what food is. That's what water is. It's the literal fuel to your body. And the body is not a machine. It will not run on empty. The difference is a car will stop in the middle of the road and a human body won't. Like a human body will keep going, but it'll be exhausted. It'll be irrational, anxiety, depression, mood swings, acne, hair loss, weight gain. Like you, that's how the body just stops in the middle of the road. That's how the body is speaking and yelling and screaming. And, you know, eventually that road will lead to like you being maybe in the hospital or being unable to get out of eventually, but our bodies eventually take everything before they get to that point. And so I think that that's a big one. And I also think too, like when we see, when we speak to women and especially moms, the, the morning routines seem a little bit not doable, right? But the morning is what sets the tone for the day. And I've learned from my own experience of just jumping into the chaos of the day, especially when I didn't have my partner around because it was just like all of these things on one person, right? So I used to just jump out of bed and be like, okay. Like, and it wasn't in a negative way. It wasn't like, oh, mm-hmm. another day. But it was, it was that kind of chaotic energy of like, okay, we got this to do. Like, let's go, 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 go. And I missed out on connection with my daughter. Um, I missed out on like just setting intention for my day and living intentionally and living in gratitude. I missed out on all of that because I just, from the moment my eyes were open, I was onto it, you know? And it's like, we can think to ourselves, okay, I don't have time for that. We do. We have time. We have five minutes. Anyone has five minutes. If you have to, if, if this five minutes is so derailing for you that you're driving your kid to school five minutes late, then that's what it is. But it's not going to be like that. You know, you can adjust your routines. Um, but one and, or that, don't go on social media for that day. Exactly. That'll give you five minutes. Exactly. I'm <laughs> don't so open your Instagram app. <laughs> anything that anything I say, I don't have time for. I know if I was not doom scrolling, I would absolutely have time for it. So I know we're all in it. Right. Um, but that morning routine has made a really positive impact. Like we, we have our morning ritual with our family now where when we wake up, all of us know, and this is something that we brought into my daughter's life when she was three. And maybe the first, I'm trying to think the first three weeks, maybe a month, it was a little harder to get her to want to do it. She was like, Oh, the red light again. Oh, I have to drink water Mm -hmm. now. I used to, you used to just (laughs) bought me on the couch in front of a show while you got all this stuff done. I don't get my show anymore. Like I was, I was giving her, there will be pushback. Yeah, there will be pushback, of course. You need to push through it. You're the parent. Yeah, exactly. And even at that time when I was a bit more like stressed and just didn't have, like, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we're not doing it. Like, you know, yeah. she got the best of me some days where I was like, I don't want to Which is start fine. Your- That's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you don't want to start your morning with a fight or with push-pull. Like, I understand it. But it happens. And they're so, like, easily influenced. That's the they're the point. They're so easily influenced in either direction, good or bad. So Mm -hmm. um, 
when we started that morning routine, it was like, okay, we're not picking our phones up. We're getting right out of bed. We all have our glass of water with electrolytes. We sit in front of the red light in the summer. We sit outside in the sun. We get our eyes exposed to the sun. You don't have to have a red light. You can just have a ritual, you know, like have a, a calm and grounding morning ritual. And uh, that's something that I would highly recommend for moms. And it's such a nice little way to connect with your family in a different way, you know, like, it doesn't have to be all true connection, true like connection, true connection, the things that we do in this morning routine, sometimes in front of this red light, like we have crystal crystal. I love it. I love your stories. On this. Takes all these like crystals out and she's putting them all over our faces and we're lying down and like, you know, just let them play. They can yeah. play when they're exposed to light or whatever it is, you know, but, um, it just starts the day in a different way. And now if you miss that, is Noah like, hey, we didn't do our red light? Oh yeah. She's like yeah. the she's the one that we ran didn't have our water. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She is. And it was so funny because I never like we want our children to have these healthy habits, but then we're not willing to go through that little bit of time where like this little three-year-old who has their own opinions and wants what they want, we don't want to go through the hard time of like them pushing back. It's like not worth it. But then we want them to have these healthy habits as they grow up, you know, like they have to be a colleague of mine is um, she works in picky eating for kids. And she's like, it's not the kids. It's the parents because your child will eventually eat that thing. It's just you tried once or twice. And then you decided my child is a picky eater. They only like chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. They don't like broccoli. But it's like, did you expose them to broccoli every single day for a month and just leave it on their plate? Were you eating broccoli? Like, it's just so interesting when she talks about it because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's so true. It's not the kids. (laughs) No, they don't know. You know, they they don't. Yeah, they don't have. They just decide, ew, I don't want that. But they didn't actually even try it. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened with, with Noah as well. Like we, my partner has brought many, many beautiful traditions and rituals and habits into our lives. And I'm so grateful for that. And one of them also is increasing protein and kids, they're not as drawn to eating protein. Like you can see it from all these children's dietitians and stuff, like getting kids to eat sufficient protein is something that sometimes is a bit of a road bump for parents, but when we started just making that the routine, making that the habit, I was not feeding her unhealthy by any means or anything. I wasn't no. making separate meals and grilled cheese and all this stuff. We weren't doing that. Um, But she started just, she eats exactly what we make mm-hmm. for ourselves and everything, everything. Sometimes it's like, oh, like not loving it, but it's not, it's never like, a, I'm not going to eat this. She'll eat everything. But it took a little bit of time. It took some time of like, oh, we, we got some testing done for her recently because she was getting sick and just she had this mycoplasma and it wasn't going away, all this stuff. So we had testing done and the testing um, determined. Functional testing, by the way, not the medical testing. Yeah, no, no, no. It was bioresonance, right? It was pretty much bioresonance. Bioresonance, yeah. Okay. yeah. It was like a yeah. quantum, like quantum kind of stuff, right? Like that yeah. kind of um, energetic medicine. And uh, she is sensitive to gluten and dairy. And I was giving gluten, like I wasn't, I wasn't um, 
what's the word regimented about gluten, but, but you don't really eat it. So it wouldn't really be in the house. No, I mean, I, at that point, I, up until maybe like four or five months ago, I was still having it sometimes. Like I never really saw the the major reaction in my own body either. So no, okay. I wasn't bringing pasta and all that stuff in, but like, if we would go to the cafe, I would get her. Yeah. yeah. If you go out for songs, like, yeah. if, you know, yeah, like yeah. We would pizza sometimes those kind of things. Yeah. Right. Um, and then those things can increase too. She's at Nana and Baba's house. She's having gluten, gluten, you know, like, and it just little bites here and there add up to a lot. And when we finally got the, the test results where like, it's, it's showing like your body doesn't love this. Like, let's try really cutting it out. I thought it would be so hard, like as a transition, because she loves croissants and she loves these things and whatever, but it is, it wasn't as hard as we, that I worked my mind up, you know, mm -hmm. into it. it's like, it's going to be so hard. It's like, she's this tiny person. I don't want to take things away. Um, and totally wasn't like that. And I found that actually had the, the evidence to show her like, this is the test. This is what your body's saying. Then she was like, now it's so cute. She, the second anyone walks in the door with bringing her anything to eat, she's like, is it gluten-free and dairy-free? She's That's four her. or five. That's oh her main question. Is it <laughs> dairy free? And like she even started asking me about all these fruits, like pomegranate. She's like, but is that gluten free? I'm like, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just too funny. Too funny. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Okay, I have um some questions. Well, I have one question that um I want to ask you because I want to hear your thoughts on this. And it's a question that came up, this lovely woman that I've been chatting to. Um, and she's thinking about joining Breaking Up With Anxiety. And she, the last kind of messaging we were having was, so she's a mom, she has two little ones and a little, little, little baby. And so she gets up a lot in the night to feed the baby, right? And so she's like, I really wanna join, um, but, I'm really worried that because I have this young baby that I have to wake up and feed all night or like during the night. Do you still think that I can make improvements with my symptoms, even though I'm unable to get a good night's sleep? I want to know. Your, I obviously I I'm pretty sure we have the same opinion on this, but I want to hear your thoughts. And also, I just want to hear like mama to mama, you know, yeah. because I know you went through kind of similar stuff with Noah. Um. And like any kind of, yeah, just go, just go. I want to hear what you say. <laughs> I think for sure there's yeah. <laughs> room for improvement. Like, um, yeah, the lack of sleep can definitely mess with so many things. It does mess with your, like your cravings. Obviously when you're sleep deprived, you have increased cravings. You might want more carbohydrates. It might make it a little bit more challenging, um, you know, the other things. And also sleep deprivation, it depends how, severe right like are you able to rest during the day when your child is resting are you finding that you're actually getting no sleep for prolonged periods of time and you're not getting enough support in that area where your partner can take the baby and you can go and get a couple hours you know it will depend but of course any change that you are able to make is going to move the needle for your health and it's almost more important in that state because one of these primary ways that our body heals sleep you're not, that's not functioning properly right now. So we need to almost put more emphasis on the other areas to kind of pick up the slack in that area. Um, 
And I think too, that you just have to remind yourself at those times that you were built for this. Your body was built for this. Your body knows that you just had a baby. You're, you know, like we're so wise. Our bodies are so wise. Our bodies know that our children get up in the middle of the night for the first, you know, X amount of time when they're alive up to a year, maybe more than that, who knows so many factors in that as well. But we just have to remind ourselves of that, that like, it doesn't have to be perfect and your body um, knows what it's doing and you will get sleep again. It feels really long at the time, but it's, you need, your lifestyle needs to be a little bit more restful if you can, you know, like if you're on a maternity leave and you have a little bit more freedom in your schedule and you don't have as many things on your plate other than this taking care of your child, which is a huge responsibility when they're that tiny. Um, just incorporating more, just general rest in your day is, is beneficial, you know, if you're not sleeping and you, you have to have a little bit more self-compassion and, and know that, um, know that it's not going to last forever, but also just know that that time in some way is so sacred. Like when it's gone, it's gone and you'll miss it because you do like, and no mom wants to hear that. And I, I get that too. <laughs> but like, Oh, these are the precious days and you need to, you know, like appreciate it, but it feels so long at the time and feels like it'll never end. But, um, it does. It does. But yeah, I think going back to the initial question, of course, anything that you can do um, to support yourself while you're not sleeping is beneficial, like increasing, improving the diet and you're nursing all night. You're using so much, your body is using so much energy to produce milk um, that you need so many more calories. You need to be more hydrated. Um, yeah. Yeah, all all of the things really, all of the foundations can be achieved, even if, and of course it'll help, even if you're not sleeping. From my perspective, having done this for like four years and working with many other moms in this situation, like not even new moms, like some moms whose children are older, and then all of a sudden, boom, their kid goes through a sleep regression, and then now the mom can't sleep at night because the kid comes five, he's five, you know, five years old, and comes in and wakes her up, not dad. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, um, be, you know, working through those situations as well. And, and moms with like six month year old, five month, four month, you know, all that jazz. Um, one, I don't ever want a woman to throw her hands up in the air and be like, well, this is just how it is right now. Like, I'm just going to suffer and struggle through this season. Cause that's what it is. It's a season in your life. It's a period of your life. That is like the medical community's opinion of this season of your life. But it's yeah. not the functional health community's opinion of this season in your life. Yes, sleep is crucial, 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 crucial. But there's nothing that you can do right now about the fact that you are a new mom. And I love what you said about how our bodies, we are literally created for this. Like yeah. we are created to birth new life, to have children. And so we do bounce back from this. And what other levers are you pulling? And I have a, a colleague, I actually have a podcast episode breaking up with postpartum depression with uh, my friend, Dr. Jenna. And, oh, <laughs> Jenna, Jenna. <laughs> um, and she works in with women with postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. That's kind of like her focus. And we had a very similar conversation. And 
she was saying the same thing. She's like, you have to put more emphasis on all the other things. Sleep's not happening. Fine. Let it go. You know, how much protein are you eating? How much water are you drinking? Is your digestive entire digestive funnel actually optimized so that you are getting all the nutrients? Eating healthy is not enough. First of all, eating healthy means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, But you know, quote unquote, eating healthy, and then without having optimal stomach acid, optimal liver function, like optimal enzymes, like all of that, your what's going on with your probiotic bacteria, all of that matters, because a lot of nutrients, especially if you're breastfeeding are going to baby. Also, when you were carrying the baby, all the nutrients went to the baby, right? The body needs to be replenished. And so it's not just about what you're eating. It's also about what's going on with digestion and there's absolutely things you can do to support digestion while you're still breastfeeding that's not a problem and then it's also about lifestyle yeah right and other tools like when baby's napping can you put on a yoga nidra yeah and get the get very similar benefits to sleep it's never going to replace sleep so i don't anyone listen to this to think i'm just going to not sleep for years and years and years and do yoga nidra (laughs) and that's fine (laughs) but during this time that could be a game changer instead of when baby's sleeping, you're doing laundry, you're doing this, you're doing that. Right. Like, and there will be times that that needs to happen, but also, but also there's all this pressure too, that hopefully people are rewiring this narrative too, but that you have to start working out right away and you need to get back to your body right away. That is not the priority. Please don't do that. Go for a walk. Body is not (laughs) going to be like trying to lose weight while you're breastfeeding, you know, like, and not getting any sleep, like your body, that's not going to be the focus and you're going to stress your body out more. And even with the question about sleep and whether or not anything will make a difference, like there, so much of this work is mindset work. If you're going to get all wrapped up in the fact that you're not sleeping and you're going to get all stressed about it and you're going to add all this stress onto already a stressful situation of not sleeping, you're going to be making it worse for yourself, physically, mentally, everything. Like it's, it's a season of life where sleep is reduced and just keep on reminding yourself and your mind, like, it's not, it's going to be fine. Like mothers were built for this. You were built for this. We've done it for so long. It also depends on the situation. How, how are you sleeping? Are you co-sleeping? Are, is your baby in another room and you're having to physically get up and go across the hall every single night, multiple times a night and like wake yourself up fully to feed them and then do the diaper change and put them back in their crib. Like so many ways I wish I had prioritized more sleeping with her. Cause that first mm-hmm. year of her life, she didn't, she was waking up like five, six times a night. And by the end of that year, like I was actually going crazy. Like I was like, oh my God, like this is not going to end. And then all of a sudden when she turned one, it was literally like a switch went off. She went from waking up five or six times a night to not waking up ever again until she was like three years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like literally that happened. I'm not even joking. Like it was overnight. It was like, oh, she slept through the night. And then for two years after that, she slept through the night without waking up a single time. So you feel like it's going to be forever at the time, but it isn't. And, um, but even if you can change your sleeping situation a little bit, have your baby closer to you, try co-sleeping if you can't, like if you can and you're comfortable and you want to, because then you're just whipping the boob out and you're kind of in a half asleep state, you know, which is better than a fully awake state. 
Yeah. And it'd be easier to go back into a sleep cycle. Like your brain goes through sleep cycles every 75 to 90 minutes, right? It's like when you hit the alarm in the morning um, and it's so easy to fall back asleep. Yes. It's because you haven't, the brain hasn't really come out. It just goes right back into that sleep cycle. Right. Okay. So good. Okay. Let's leave it at that. You know, being mindful of time. We always try to keep these chats around an hour, but you know, keep on work, doing the work to build that flexible nervous system, go through the roadmap, step by step by step, learn to ask for what you need work on, not learn to, well, yeah, learn to, but you know, really work on asking for what you need from your partners, from your family, receiving as well, what you need. (laughs) And as always, ladies, anyone who's watching the replay, if you have any questions at all, we love to continue these conversations. So drop it in the comments, drop it in the group, tag me, tag Jenna, um, ask for support. Like we have a mama in the group (laughs) who knows what it's like. I mean, I like to think I know what it's like because I nannied and because I work three jobs. Yeah, I feel like on some level, I understand. For sure. sure. There's a lot of the little stressors that we all, you know, experience in life that we can either choose to let let us derail from all of our habits, or we can just accept and, you know, take care of ourselves in any Mm -hmm. way that we can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, no, but I um, de- am definitely happy to continue the conversation. And I'm also very open to sharing the not ideal times as well. So if anyone needs like an example of like the lows to the highs, like we have, we all have them, you know, we're not afraid to share when times are tough. Times will be yeah. tough. There will be days that are totally different than what you want them to be. And, you know, it's all, yeah, it's it's all part of the process. Yeah. I mean, I'm always a big fan of that. Just like, I mean, I'm very honest and very transparent and it definitely bites me in the ass sometimes, (laughs) but I think like we're all freaking human. We all go through shit. Like nobody is perfect. We all have bad days. And um, the more we share that, the more, other people don't feel super alone. <laughs> like they're the only ones going through life. Totally. Totally. Well, thank you. Thank As you. As always, too. I just love talking to you. And I mean, I'm, I'll probably text with you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality, and there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action, and the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. 
and positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much. One last thing, my legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.